0: Welcome back listeners to another episode of the new standard and as always joining me, my partner in crime to my left, Neil Kulong. What's up, big Neil? Ready to go, Lance. I am ready to go.
1: I, uh, I I enjoy the brief respite that you get the morning of day three of the draft before the, the real work sets in. You're looking at, um, what i'll be sitting staring at this thing for the next nine or so hours and that's after the last two days of doing it in which i am kind of beat and um uh, kind of sort of looking forward to it being over but you know it's it's a fun journey i'm glad i get i'm glad it gets to start here with you fine people i hope everyone's doing well
0: yeah the draft i think you what's your comments yesterday in terms of the draft in terms of looking at the draft and how to evaluate the draft. And we'll discuss that question next Saturday when we do this show at 830 in terms of what is the proper perspective to look at a draft. But I think just in looking at the draft and looking at the players, not from a sense of, you know, what they're going to do, but just from a sense of from a needs perspective, you know, just how good did your team address the particular needs uh, that they have? And I'm sure if you're watching the show, live on youtube make sure you go to the new standard and do a search for lance williams or neil kulong and make sure you like and subscribe to the program on the ticker on the bottom of the show you will see when the wife meets the girlfriend and before we jump into that i do want to say if you want to subscribe to the podcast go to apple Podcasts, go to google store or Google Play Store and look for the new standard as well as you can find it on Spotify and the show is also available on any other podcast platform pick up the Ollie Howard species and the reason I wanted to call the show when the wife meets the girlfriend and pick up the double H is I'm sure the irony was not lost on just me and Neil when Chase Claypool announced the Steelers' second-round draft pick of George Pickens, before we jump into that, when, let, let, let me just toss that to you, Neil. Before we jump into Pickens and we jump into how he may fit um, and, and how he may fit this offense and how he may fit in terms of the roster and, and what and how he may complement the roster, what's your thoughts on just? When the when the wife meets the girlfriend, and the irony of Chase Claypool potentially introducing, being introduced to on a national stage, and introducing the world to his possible replacement.
1: First off, check the check the private chat. You're going to want to put that one up in the comments. Um, I we talked about this a little bit off air, Lance, and we'll we'll bring the, the audience into this. We discussed on multiple shows leading into the draft. Uh, the Steelers needed playmakers or dudes, as we're calling them. They needed guys that could make plays, and they're down two receivers or were going into this draft. They lost Juju smith shoes through signing free agency with the Chiefs. They lost <clears throat> Ray Ray McLeod to uh, free agency where he signed with the 49ers. They needed. Uh, uh, probably some type of versatile inside outside receiver and they needed a slot receiver. To me, they absolutely could not get out of round 2 without drafting a receiver. The fact that they took Kenny Pickett in the first round to me strongly suggested, not guarantee, but if, if there's a receiver within reach they're they're going to go get him. Um Pickens is a guy that I came into probably a little bit later in the process. Uh, I was kind of familiar of the name. You heard a lot about him as a freshman, but he got hurt and, you know, kind of fell off the radar a little bit. But uh, on the advice of a couple people that I know and, and trust in this business, I went back and watched his tape. And the only thing you see from him is just explosiveness. And it was just like, oh, wow, this kid's a, this kid's a playmaker. This kid is a big deep bo- a, a big, deep ball threat. And absolutely what the Steelers needed. It just so happened that I saw an announcement, some press release, that said, for whatever reason, Chase Claypool was going to introduce the Steelers' second-round pick. And the thought in my head was right away, I think it's kind of normal, most people would say this, um, what if he announces his own position? And the first guy I thought of was George Pickens. Just because I Picken's not going to be a first round guy, not with the injury, not with you know not a whole lot of tape, some character concerns there, perhaps. You know, the profile of, of a really good second round pick. I don't I said to myself, there's no way he's going to fall to 52, but man, if, if Chase Claypool announces that they're taking him, that'll be something. And the thought just kind of left my head. And the draft went on. There were some teams, the Patriots in particular, I thought would would take a receiver, and they did. They took uh, what well, Tyquan Thompson, the kid from uh, where did he go, Baylor, the the really fast skinny kid. Um, I was a little surprised with that. I thought it that's that's interesting that they weren't going for Pickens. But at that point, um, I had tweeted out what what I had sent you in the private chat, like it's it's going to be Claypool announcing Pickens, and this is going to be fantastic people might remember this you might remember the the hubbub that was created back in the day when somebody keep me honest on this because i i feel like this happened a couple different times and it all sort of blends together <coughs> but there was a point mark tavis bryant snapped back at a fan uh after they drafted i think juju um saying that juju was going to be bryant's Replacement and Brian fired back at him that no, he's Sammy Coates' replacement. I'm not going anywhere. And then Coates got involved. And it was, <laughs> I think Mike Tomlin jumped in on Twitter and told everybody to shut up. And it was just fantastic. But the the meme has been going on ever since then, and it's like of all people, Chase Claypool is like Chase Claypool in a year that you know that you're going to draft a receiver. And you know that you have a history of this that fans aren't gonna forget about, bloggers aren't gonna let you forget about. You can't put claypool up there of all people. Like, how about this? This is what I thought of. Why go get Ramon Foster? I'm sure Ramon Foster would love a trip to Vegas. Have him announce the pick. Everybody in Pittsburgh loves Ramon Foster. Why don't you just have him do it? Why would Claypool do it of all people? And now I'm sorry, I have to instruct my staff to remember that moment and you know, make fun of it for the next year. It's impossible not to. That history is already established. It just seems like something that could have been avoided. <laughs> yeah, no. Claypool should pull a Martavis and say that's Johnson's replacement. Yeah, I, and there were a bunch of memes that went out. They they doctor the the original tweet with different names. And it,
0: it's, yeah, the internet. It's a great is...
1: running joke, and it just we we just gave it more fuel. It just makes me laugh of why they would have Claypool. Of all people do that, Claypool would not be the one to do it.
0: Well, here's the funny thing about some guys. Some guys are so lack self-awareness to the point yeah. where he may not have even realized that. He might have just been like, this is just another guy that's going to be a baller with us. <laughs> We're going to go dominate and you know, so on and so forth. This guy let's,
1: let's, watching the highlights make all these plays down the field, it seems like he's coming from out wide. <laughs> Does he play my position? No, no, no. <laughs> There's no way that's the case.
0: You so know what? Uh, when we you mentioned explosive, and, and I wanted to dig into the relative athletic score for George Pickens. Overall, it's nine point three five out of ten, which puts him in the green tier, which means he's elite. He was elite in height for the position. He was elite at the broad jump. His composite speed grade. His overall great, his 40-yard dash was 4.47, which is an RAS of 8.2, which is elite. 20-yard split, 2.57, which is 8.87, which is elite. 10-yard split, 1.5, 9.76, which is elite as well. And so when you talked about explosive, he is absolutely explosive. I'm not sure if Chase Claypool's numbers were the equivalent in all those areas, But I do know Chase Claypool was a very high RAS guy, probably about a 9.9. So you have two explosive playmakers back there. And off wax, we talked about the X, the Y, and the Z. What I wanted you to do was to break down, not really considering, you know, having tight ends flex out, but just looking at the X, Y, and Z, how that may play into, you know, what that means from the wide receiver position and how that may play into how, this player might be utilized. But before you do that, speak to Pickens' knee injury because I've heard some Steeler fans kind of uh, being puzzled and perplexed as to why the Steelers are, you know, spending a second round pick on a player who has some ACL injury histories. And, and, and my quick thought to that before I want to get your input is, you know, I trust the doctors to do the medical. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not, you know, I didn't stay in a Holiday Inn, I stayed in the Airbnb. So what that says is I don't have a medical degree. If the doctors are comfortable with the medical, then as Ollie Howard species says, Lance, that's juice. They like the juice that the player provides. So speak to the medical and how, you know, the Steelers probably, you know, what their process might've been determining the medical speak to the X, Y, and Z and how he may slot into that kind of classic, uh, Nomenclature for wide receivers.
1: If, if let's start with the medical piece of it, um, let, let's keep in mind they're, they're given a, a pretty thorough evaluation with players, uh, when those players are available. Uh, it didn't happen quite the same way, uh, in, in the pandemic offseason, but they have access to his history, they have the ability to speak to team physicians. Um, here's what I know. To be factual, Uh, the the Georgia doctors cleared him to play in four games last season. So I'm not quite sure what everyone's uh, uproar is. exactly. Exactly. He played at the end. He played four games. Okay. This isn't Juju coming back for for a brutal loss against the Chiefs. You know, he he played a month. Um, That doesn't mean that he's fully healthy. Doesn't mean that he's ready to go. I mean, he's probably pushing it a bit because he wants to go pro. And that seems to have worked out for him fairly well, at least second round pick is no slouch for sure. Um, you have to think that the fact that he was able to play uh, other doctors said that he could play and the Steelers medical staff checking him out. I, I think they gave him a clear bill, bill of health. I mean, that, let's, you're looking for stuff to not like the guy. If that's the case. I and mean, come on. Um, it's been a while for him. Yeah. He probably still has rehab stuff to do. And on top of that, he's going to want to probably get a little bit stronger. Um, he's a skinny little dude. Uh, tall guy he teased he, his frame will grow out he's going to be a little bit bigger uh, he's not going to be a Mike Wallace twig looking guy out there he, he can get a bit bigger he can carry a little bit more weight uh, and probably be a little bit more of a, a an inside um, presence as well as as a, a good deep threat um, there's a lot to like about him period it I, I just love the kid the, the explosion that he has. Um, the sense that he has—he uh, looks like a center fielder going for the ball. That's a high compliment for a receiver. He tracks stuff in the air, and frankly, that's one thing Chase Claypool does not do particularly well. Um, getting into that, what I'm really describing are high-end talents for um, what is is traditionally and generally referred to as an X receiver. Okay, I want to preface all of this by saying. The X, Y, and Z monikers are uh, – they're, they're designations for different kinds of receivers. These are all players who are not uh, lined up. You know, they're not down linemen. They're not in the backfield. These were these distinctions were used probably a bit more when teams ran uh, more balanced sets, more two back um, uh, running formations, things like that. Today, it's not that they're not. Uh, still use or not still valid, but you might have two of them on the field. When you run four receivers, you need more than three letters, right? So, um, it, let's take this with a little bit of a grain of salt. All right, an X receiver typically is. Um, let's we'll start with the the position on the field. The X is always on the line. Okay. They are typically on the wide side of the field or the weak side of of the field, depending on how you want to set them up. Physically speaking, X receivers are the dudes that run outside the numbers. They are your deep speed, your big athletes. Um, Chase Claypool, physically speaking. T.O. Randy Moss. Yeah, sort of. Um, I'll get into that in a second. Chase Claypool, physically speaking, in in our vernacular for for what we're speaking on here, is a quintessential X receiver. Martavis Bryant was a quintessential X receiver. It doesn't mean that they could not possibly do anything else. It's that they're prototypes for what the X receiver is. Big dudes on the line that can run outside the numbers and go up and get the ball there. That's George Pickens. George Pickens doesn't have that size, but he's an X. He's a deep threat, uh, great long speed great hands, tracks the ball well deep down the field. Randy Moss and Terrell Owens were so good that they didn't have positions. They kind of did whatever <laughs> they, they wanted to do. They were otherworldly. Um, physically speaking, yes. They they were ex-receivers, but you saw with the Vikings, they put Randy in motion a bunch, and that was just to get the three guys who were covering him off of him in some way. Uh, T.O. was the same way for a stretch of his career. Megatron as well was yeah, another Yeah, Megatron guy. is a classic X receiver that, you know, could be used as, as anything as his career developed. And at that point, too, offenses are getting much more versatile. They're getting much more creative. Uh, you have to use your weapons in as many ways as you can to get them the ball. So – That's where the distinction kind of goes out the window. But for the sake of simplicity here, uh, these do still have some validity to what we're talking about. So let's for for our context, uh, Claypool is an X. Um, The Z receiver is kind of your old school, what they would call a flanker. It's, It's a guy that can line up really anywhere online or off, inside or out. They're the ones that are going in motion a bit more. And the Zs are the smaller, shifty,
0: quick guys. Let me ask flanker. you real quick. Did you consider Heinz Ward a flanker?
1: Yes. Heinz Ward was the sealer Z receiver in, in their day. Um, part of that, interestingly enough, and this is something I'm sure will be a part of uh, whatever Hall of Fame uh, pitch I would imagine Ed Bichette would give for Heinz Ward. He's playing flanker in a very old school way uh for example you saw if, if you're old enough to remember the steelers in the 2000s with Heinz ward they started off almost every single game um with ward in motion and having him uh, uh follow to the hole on a, a, a fullback lead dive to the running back ward was the lead blocker okay your flanker was your lead blocker that that wasn't normal for anybody ever i mean it, that gives validity to the idea that Heinz Ward was a a very unique player. He did things that you didn't really see throughout history. He doesn't have a good comparable. Um, Whether that puts him in the hall of fame, we'll, we'll save that for another show. But the point is, yes, Ward was on the inside. Uh, Ward would line up in twins on the inside off the line Uh, He could be on the line inside. Uh, He could be next to the tight end in power formations. Your Z is going to play the most different positions. It's the most complicated one. There there are the most details to go over. Um, Antonio Brown is your quintessential Z receiver in today's NFL. Deontay Johnson is the the Steelers Z receiver right now, and he's a good one. Um, You're happy about that, but you're looking for shiftiness. You're looking for versatility uh, we've seen Johnson take end rounds. We've seen Claypool take end rounds too, I guess, but um, Johnson's running shorter stuff underneath. Uh, it's not that he doesn't go deep, but you could kind of consider them sort of like possession receivers um, for, for today's vernacular. Probably would have been a little bit more of what they were back in the day, but they're, they're very shifty, uh, very quick, very fast athletes now this is what where it gets interesting and there there are other people that would weigh in differently on this uh when you talk about your y receiver now old school football you had a z and an x because you only had two receivers on the field uh your y typically was your tight end um tight ends traditionally didn't even go out for pass patterns you know they were really they were tackle eligibles um, in today's game, it, it's, it's kind of flipped around. We've seen the rise of the slot receiver, um, which is really kind of a morph of a tight end and a Z, just in a smaller guy that tends to line up off the line. Now, think of it like this. If you are lining up one yard off the line scrimmage, you've got to be pretty fast at the snap to get down and make up some ground, right? Right. Slot receivers, because they're off the line to keep the formation eligible, they are not going to run very deep routes because they can't get that far down the field. They have to start a full yard back behind everybody else. Tack on a a yard to anybody's time, they're going to go a lot slower than the people that have a yard head start on them. So they're the ones running probably more six to nine yard routes. Um, And because of that, they're they're cutting a lot more. They're the ones going in and over the middle. Tight end ish sorts of routes from back in the day, except your slot can unbalance your formation from a passing perspective. The big reason for this, in my opinion, and that we can thank, well, no, I'm probably not correct on this, but I like to blame Peyton Manning for it because what this really creates is rub routes. Um, Absolutely. Under over with slot receivers is big for legal picks. They're they're not as close to the line. They don't have to go as far. But if you have a Z, put put a slot, put a Z on the line outside, a slot off the line inside. They're both going in on immediately, like to a, a, a flood. In other words, they're they're at different depths, yep. going the same direction across the formation. That's essentially a pick because the the uh, the trailer, which is going to be your Z, isn't going to be able to catch up over the middle. Uh, there's a legal screen there with the slot receiver uh, that blocks out the defender from coming from the backside of the play. And obviously we see in the red zone all the time, it's the slot cutting off of the Z to the playground yes. from the inside. Uh, the slot receiver gives you that kind of versatility. Uh, they tend to also be very quick. Uh, you need to be, you need to be really explosive. Out of your, you got to be sudden. You got to be a, an accelerant athlete to be a slot receiver. Wes Wel- Welker. Welker was an excellent slot receiver. Um, quick, you know, shifty, um, shifty guys, quick guys tend to be smaller guys, and they're not guys that need size to win inside. They need angles. They need, uh, you know, they, they need feet and they need hands. And
0: Cooper Cup is excellent inside as well.
1: Cooper Cup is is uh, actually an excellent example of a a, a great z receiver in the sense that he can play anywhere cooper cup is a really good receiver he's gotten people raved about cooper cup when he was coming out everybody kind of thought he's maybe a second round pick at best he wasn't a first round pick but everybody raved about how good he was going to be and i was i watched him like yeah you see it but i don't quite understand why everyone sees this limitless potential out of the guy but whatever it was they they saw it i see it now because. Cup cup is nasty.
0: Cup is really good. Ali yeah. Howard's species is hilarious when he said maybe they should just put Lima Swede at the wrong letter. Let me let me let, 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 let me let me ask you this question, Neil. In, and in, in, your, in your breakdown, it sounds like the Steelers have two X's and a Z. And just 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 classically, uh, does that mean before we start talking about the Steelers third round, pick DeMarvin lil. Do you anticipate in day three of the draft that the Steelers will be looking for another wide receiver to kind of be a more traditional slot wide receiver to kind of balance the room because the room is two big guys right now and a versatile guy. I mean, you've got two samurai swords and a saber, <laughs> right? Like you don't have you don't have a switchblade, you know? You don't have that shifty guy on the inside that's going to move the chains where you need Trubisky or Pickett or Mason Rudolph and one of these guys to make a very easy throw to move the sticks or somebody to challenge in the seams in the red zone. How do you think, do you think they're going to look for another wide receiver to complement this room? Maybe look for one in free agency. You anticipate that in day two, and day three, excuse me, of the draft? Here's the thing. What What's
1: interesting in this current epoch of of nfl football there's not a whole lot of value given to slot receivers and slot defenders slot defenders we used to call nickelbacks now the nickel could be anybody you know it it could be a third safety for all we know there are guys specifically who defend the slot receiver and with that they have inside duties they tend to be in zone There's a lot that they have to read on a defense. And conversely, the slot receiver has to also really kind of think like a tight end. Tight ends need to know depth. They need to know assignment. The tight ends in the offensive line need to know more than, you know, almost as much, if not more than the quarterback does of what's going on. They operate off of everybody else. They have to see what's going on and work in concert together. Um, I would argue in um, hot situations, in blitzes today, the slot receiver has a big part of that. My opinion, and we'll never hear Mike Tomlin give a a straight answer on this. My opinion, um, part of a big reason why they put Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot is because Juju's really smart. He understood what a defense was doing. He understood what their protections were, and they wanted him close to go hot when facing a blitz. Ben can't stand up to the blitz and avoid it the way that he used to. Let's put Juju inside with him. Juju, you're not going to run much. We hope that you can get the ball, get your shoulders square, and get up the field. But we need you to know where that blitz is coming. We need you to know where Ben is going to go hot, and we need you to be that guy. And they if you think of just pure volume of, of catches, they did a pretty good job with that. Um, the reason I bring that up is mostly because there are a lot of calls to move claypool inside um i'm i don't know i guess because they assume that somebody has to play there um chase clay we saw chase claypool play inside a, a little bit one was one of the few touchdowns that claypool scored last year when they caught denver somehow or other denver got mixed up and it stretched out vaughn miller then the broncos outside linebacker before he got traded uh, out to cover claypool short naturally they flip and give him a skinny post and you know understandably he beats Vaughn Miller down the field and nobody's around him for 50 yards and he scores beyond that this is just my opinion i don't see anything about chase claypool that suggests he's smart enough to be a slot receiver i don't i don't know how well that works everyone's going to immediately point to well it's a mismatch yeah but if he doesn't know what he's doing against the blitz if he's not calling that stuff out, if he doesn't know where to go, you're creating a lot more problems than the mismatch that you think that you're getting down the field. Um, I don't know if that's something that they would do, but I, I will propose this: one, the draft isn't over yet. Let's see what happens. They're they're still down a receiver. Two, free agency isn't over yet. The Steelers aren't true, broke. True They've indeed. got salary cap money left. Let's just, for example, because shame on me, I have not dug into this the way I keep saying that I'm going to. Let's just put aside everything about Cole Beasley that we know about Cole Beasley, all of the social media stuff and the anti-vax stuff that kind of makes him not very popular. Ignore that. The fact of the matter is, Cole Beasley is one of the better, if not one of the best, slot receivers in the NFL. He
0: he his skill a free set agent right now, yeah, his skill set would fit nicely if you if you could yeah. find yeah, a, if they could get him Beasley. for two
1: million a year, they would love to do it. If he wasn't a nut job, I'm sure that's why they won't do it, but. Cole Beasley is a free agent right now. Through the draft, he's a free agent. He was not signed; got cut in like February. He's had plenty of time to sign. Nobody signs him. the The, the league doesn't recognize value of slot receivers and slot defenders. They get paid less. It takes them longer to sign. I don't know why, but it, that's just the way that it works right now. There are good slot receivers who are available in free agency. Okay, be honest. Did anybody here know who the
0: hell Ray Ray McLeod was two years no, ago? No, no, you didn't. <laughs> and, and, to okay. your, and to your point, I hope they find, if they don't come back and hit, because there's another position group that we're going to talk about in terms of day three that I think they have to address before we jump into, and, and we'll do that, at, and we'll also talk about DeMarvin lil and we'll break that down. Um, they need a Manuel Day more of slot receiver, that type of guy, who was a a productive guy that was cheap, that plays the slot receiver position uh, very well. Let me jump into these physical comparisons because I brought that up in terms of RAS between Chase Claypool and George Pickens. Claypool, in terms of RAS, is just a a physical freak.
1: Keep keep in mind, with RAS, too, that's not purely
0: athleticism. That's size as well. And Claypool is is enormous. That helps
1: quite a bit. But yes, they are both great athletes.
0: And when you look at Claypool, his overall RAS was 9.99. Um,
1: that's his height is
0: huge. He yeah, has height 6'4, weight 235, bench press. All of those were elite in the nines. Um, his 40 was 4.2, 4.42. 20 yard split was elite. The only category that Chase Claypool was not in the green category was his 10 yard split. And that's the one category in which uh, George Pickens was better. Uh, than Chase Claypool, but they're both in the nines. I put the link up there um, in the chat, uh, and I put it on Twitter as well, but they're both highly explosive, big, physical, athletic players, and I want to end the discussion of George Pickens based on something that Pittsburgh Rapunzel wrote on Twitter, and, and, and be patient with me. I may not be able to get this out. Pittsburgh picked a peck of Picket Pickens, a peck of Pickett Pickens Pittsburgh picked. If Pittsburgh picked a peck of Pickett Pickens, what's the peck of a Pickens Pittsburgh picked? That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And, I, and that's why I love Steeler fans because who is the that? I, who wrote that? This is this is Pittsburgh Rapunzel. And, um, you know, the irony of Pickens to I mean come on man. Pickens to pick it. I mean that I mean come on. The announcers are going to have a marvelous time with that. But let's jump to the third round pick of DeMarvin Leal. Uh what's your thought on that pick? Defensive tackle out of Texas A&M. I it, What's your thought about him, the player and, and what they're saying with this pick? Um it, it's it's interesting
1: to me. Um I'm not sure Okay, let, let's break it down like this. In the past, what we have seen from the Steelers in a in a fluid environment, meaning this stuff changes, it gets tweaked. By and large, their fourth round picks tended to be and tend to be um, kind of projects, high ceiling project types. Um, Martavis Bryant was a good example of a fourth round pick. Um, Or uh, let me amend that, uh, project projects with upside that need work, developmental guys with good upside or, uh, injury risk issue types. Um, James Connor was taken with a third round cop pick, which was essentially a fourth round pick. I'd call that an injury type of risk that you might not take in another round. That's a good round for them to take it is the way that they view that, um, Gerald Hawkins was an injury risk with high potential type of guy. He was a fourth-round pick. Um, I believe Chooks was a third-round pick, wasn't he? I think he was a third-round pick. But the, the lines of that blur a little bit, depending on how many picks you have, uh, where you're looking to, to get whatever. I think DeMarvin Leal, there's a lot to like with him. He has a a, a, a great build Um, if he adds some weight. He's built kind of like a defensive end, in a, like a seven-technique defensive end. He'd be a big seven-technique defensive end. Doesn't quite have that explosion um, outside. Inside, it's you know, the, the cliche now is the NASCAR line. When you put four defensive ends uh, down to, to rush the passer, he's that kind of a defensive tackle. Um, a good pass rusher, but not a real consistent pass rusher. I think what they see with him, just like what they saw with Isaiah Loudermilk last year, somebody they traded up for in the fifth round, which is weird because they avoid the fifth round like the plague nowadays. Um, they see a project with a great build. Loudermilk is massive. He's a big dude and he moves like he's a lot smaller, very athletic, very strong, a lot of potential with him. Um, I I think even on this, this segment, I made fun of the pick last year, the trade up for the pick. Um, I watched him play, and I totally see why they they, uh, they made the move that they did. And I, he's going to be good. I think he's going to be one of their better defenders after a little while. Uh, with with DeMarvin Leal, I, I think they're looking to get another project type um, that they can build and develop. I don't think – this is just me. It's my opinion. We'll see what they think of him. Um, I think he's a little underweight. I think he, he's going to have to pack on 15 healthy pounds uh, and stay fast. And the thing with him is it's, it's, he needs to add weight, but he looks way skinnier than weight. He weighed in at what, 283. looks like he's about 265. I mean, he's, he's not like huge. You'd, you'd think he'd be bigger if he was, what was he list at? Six, four, 285. You think he'd look like that more. He really doesn't. So um, as, as, um, uh, Terrell Austin said last night they're going to start him at um, defensive end uh, I think that's probably the right position for him but they're training their defensive end and tackles kind of the same way now they're moving them inside and out. Cam Hayward's been doing that for, for years I think they're kind of wanting to build versatility uh, to give them some options uh, along their line if the Steelers view a pick at the back end of round three which is really what they, where they were when they drafted leal i could see why they would have taken him maybe it was a little bit early but maybe they absolutely wanted a, a defensive lineman in round three and this is a guy that they really wanted to have um i we'll we'll see i think it's intriguing with him there there's there's he's a strong dude for his size let's see uh what's going to happen to him when he he's going to have to add weight probably 15 pounds which could drastically change you as an athlete. Let's see what comes of that. I would, I would expect, this is just me, I would expect much of this year to be kind of a redshirt year for him. He's going to have to hit the weight room. He's going to have to eat. He's going to have to you know, work on his technique. But I, an interesting pick. I, I'm intrigued to see what he can do because, frankly, if there's a defensive position, uh, the Steelers train better than defensive linemen. I don't know what it is. Uh, they've done a great job, by and large, with the guys that they brought in there. And they needed some depth there, too. So I, I hope it works out.
0: Speaking of training defensive linemen, I think we saw last year, and this is a great segue into day three of the draft. And really quickly before I do that, his RAS score was 7.43. In terms of his, yes, size size was the issue. Size was the issue. Um, In terms of weight, he was in the red category. His bench press was in the red category because he only benched uh, 225, 17 times. In terms of composite it's, it's, speed, it's it, it, His it, what? What's his length, though?
1: He's got super long arms. All that thirty-three point two five. They have it listed. Okay, yeah, dudes. Dudes like that can't chuck up. You know, thirty-five reps at two twenty-five on the bench. That's a long way to go. Your muscles are a lot longer. they're, they're not that compact that you
0: need to get those that many reps up. The
1: he interesting, plays strong. He plays. The interesting strong. thing He's though, when you big. look
0: at him in terms of RAS, is his composite speed grade. Um, is in the elite status. His 40-yard dash is elite. Um, His 20-yard split was in the yellow category, which was just a little bit under it fell. 10-yard split was elite. His composite agility grade, the shuttle and the three-cone, were both elite. His three-cone was 9.78, which shows he can move and change direction. Um, But when you look at this Pittsburgh Steelers team, in terms of things that I think that they need to look for in day three. I mean, one of the biggest concerns, you know, we railed against the offense all, particularly all year, but we also were very critical on their inability to stop the run. What's your (laughs) thought overall uh, of their defensive line room? And, and, you know, because me, you know, I'm not, I'm not overly excited about it. I mean, you have Cam Hamer, of course, Loudermilk is developing, uh, but the issues with Tuit and Alulu, If those guys don't play, um, all of a sudden, you know, your 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 defensive lineman room, your lineman, your your ends, your tackles, that whole room. I mean, it's almost as bad as you no, know, not as quite as bad as the wide receivers were as of yesterday, or the running backs. But that still seems like a glaring need that the Steelers may need to focus on on day three and as well in the back half of free agency. Let's keep in mind
1: uh, they did retain Montrevious Adams, who yes. they plucked off of the Saints practice squad. And when he got some time to adjust to the scheme and everything like that, you started to see a lot of the, the the glaring problems with their run defense. And they absolutely had it. I'm not letting anybody off the hook for that. But when Adams got in and he got comfortable and he got solid, they started to improve. And you could see Adams is good. It's like, how is this guy on a practice squad anywhere? Steelers Steelers struck gold with him as far as I'm concerned. He saved the back half of their season. Um, they were terrible up front. Isaiah Bugs didn't make it through the season. They, they cut him. I'm not sure, you know, they keep drafting Carlos Davis's replacement. I'm not sure how much longer he's going to stick around. They're overhauling that front. Um, that isn't to say they will or they won't address it again, but I think the fact that they brought in a third-round pick this year, no more undrafted Isaiah Bugs, no more seventh-round Carlos Davis, we'll see what happens with Tua. Just put that off to the side. Um, aloo. I, I guess is coming back. Maybe, you know, he doesn't make it through camp, but I, I could see there being a lot of need to have both a and Adams on this team. I see the value in that. So um, with those things in mind, I think it, there, there's an attitude that comes with it. Um, my worry more than anything, Lance, on the defensive line is that Cam Hayward gave, pretty much all he had left over the first two thirds of the season and part of their run defense uh issues last year was the fact that hayward collapsed and it's probably because that dude was working twice as hard as anybody else on on defense was do you remember what was the chargers game when he got like six yards of penetration into the backfield and then had to run the running back down 50 yards down the field yeah they got the fight after it there was nobody else on defense on that play the whole Defensive performance in that Chargers game and the Vikings game make me sick. It was so bad. Hayward I, – I, honestly, I think Hayward took games off the end of his career because of how hard he had to work the, on the back half of the Steelers season, and he couldn't go anymore. I don't think – I just don't think he had anything left. And that Vikings game was on a short week at, at the end of the season. He was gassed, and there was nobody picking up his slack. Nobody. And that, that really – to the point where it's like, you know what, get rid of all of them. This is how it's going to be. Hayward hit legendary status with his season last season, and I I hope he doesn't have to go as hard and he can be fresher throughout the year. And there are other people on defense that actually want to play defense this year.
0: Let me jump into a couple of questions that we have in the board because I think they tie nicely into what the Steelers might be looking for on day three. Um, Corey Hatcher, big up to Corey. ass do you think they add another edge type player on day three? I think they do, and I think they may add a running back as well. What's your thoughts on Corey's question? <laughs> um,
1: you never know with a position like a, a pass rusher, you can never have too many of them. Um, it depends on who's there. <clears throat> you might recall there was a, a little hubbub last year when they drafted a uh an edge rusher in the sixth round, I think, in the idea of developing him and having him play special teams and serving as as kind of a utility guy. Um, They hope to get Quincy Roche on the practice squad. That didn't work out real well. Roche. Um, I will say this. They still have NDSU alum Derek Tuska, who I thought availed himself fairly well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep him in that role. Um, not a guy that you, you know, want on the field for 25, 30 snaps, although that's the situation they found themselves in. (laughs) Thanks, Melvin Ingram. Um, Tuska can be a good special teams player along with the reserve outside linebacker. (laughs) I'm stalling for time here, Lance. You'll have to forgive me. I don't, they, they signed an outside linebacker. I don't know who it was. Not anybody of prominence, some random dude that we've never heard of before he got signed. But they, they brought in somebody. I, I don't think they're going to draft one. That's Call that a hunch more than anything. I think they have a, a fairly decent unit there. Um, I, I like TJ Watt's chances of making this team. I think Alex Smith is going to make this team. Um, <laughs> depth behind that, Tuska gives you something, and the guy that they brought in, um, somebody looked that up. Yes, he, Derek Tuska was a captain of the melanin deficient crew and an NDSU alum I'd like to add that part as well um all told I don't think they're going to take that but I will say this they absolutely need to take a running back now here's the problem that I have um fourth round pick gets you uh fifth round pick gets you Benny Snell um you already have McFarland and Penny Snell. What <laughs> do you? Do that's what? A, that,
0: that's that's a great point.
1: That that's a great point you made. And yes, it's general, but I'm just saying that that is a, a relatively fair assessment of the kind of player that's going to be there. Do you want to do that, or do you want to dip into free agency? Do you want a veteran to back up Najee Harris because the the rookie isn't going to get the he's not going to get
0: playing time? Let me let me ask let me answer that question. In my opinion, I. I and I and, and and I and I always talk about Moel Moore. I loved Moel Moore. I, I absolutely love De Moore. That's the type of player that they need to target. If that player is available, I don't know. Of course, I'm not scouring NFL free agency, but they need a Moel Moore guy. They need, I think, a compliment to Najee, who's a slugger, plotter. That's going to get you, you know, maybe four yards in a cloud of dust, a lot of volume to get a lot of production. They need a third down back. I think a compliment to him. I don't know if a Giovanni Bernard is available Mm -hmm. in free agency. I think he just signed back with the um, Cincinnati, but they, but
1: they need the, the box. He was with the Buccaneers. Oh, that's
0: right. He was with the Bucs. They need, they need, they need a, a veteran complimentary wide receiver before they run um, all the juice, the little bit of juice that Najee Harris has out. So we're talking about defensive linemen. We're talking about running back. Any other positions you think they'll target in day three? Um, I think
1: they might want to – I don't know. I, I, I think any one of them probably has just as much value as anything else except – maybe potentially they want to sign an inside linebacker. Now that I'm thinking of it, I think maybe the guy they signed was an inside linebacker, not an outside linebacker. So maybe edge does make sense. Um, throw that up there. Edge and running back are probably the two that I would want to see um, above anything else. You're Let have to me go pro- solo here for a second, Lance. I'm having a slight domestic
0: emergency. Oh, no worries. No Shit. worries. Uh- Hold on. Here are another couple of interesting questions. And I want to give a big shout out to my man Mamelo. Get on the mic because I know you eat jello. To my man Ahmad Jamal. Big up AJ. Uh Hayward, that's interesting. I, I I would love a versatile a second versatile tight end, but I'm not sure uh they're gonna do that. Um, I mean, I think he might be an upgrade to uh, the last Watt brother who who did not get the the genes that the other two got. So he could be an upgrade, but I don't think they're going to go in that direction. Uh, in terms of Anthony Miller, and, and thank you, AJ, for that question, in terms of Anthony Miller being utilized as a slot, uh, I, I mean, I don't really think so. I, I think Anthony Miller, to me, he, he fits the profile physically um, at 5'11", 199 pounds. I mean, but he's a a $723,000 salary guy. That's not a guy that you're going to play a lot in 11 personnel. I don't think that they have the slot receiver on the roster. Um, And welcome back, Neil. And there was a question here um, that Douglas Cooley II asked about your thoughts on Anthony Miller as a slot guy. And my thought was, I think Anthony Miller is a camp guy, Um, you know, and part of it, and sometimes guys outperform what their salaries are. We see it all the time. But Anthony Miller is a 700K guy. I don't know if that's your slot guy in 11 personnel. I mean, James Washington couldn't even see the field in 11 personnel, and he was their second round draft pick. I don't know how you think. Watson, that.
1: Watson they played Watson on the outside though. The Steelers yeah. haven't. The Steelers haven't paid their slot receiver ever. Juju is the only one that ever made more than the minimum. And I'm not even sure it's fair to say he, he was, he was not brought in to be their slot receiver, you know, going yeah. back to Eli Rogers, he made yes. nothing. Um, it, Ray Ray didn't make anything. Uh, it, they're, they're not paying that position a whole lot. So I, I don't think the money disqualifies necessarily. It's the fact though, that Anthony Miller, to my knowledge, at least hasn't played inside. Maybe they, maybe they've worked him at that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he hasn't gotten a whole lot of time. He's been with the team for a while, there it's got to be some reason for that. Maybe it's exactly that, you know, McDonald's or McDonald. Now I'm doing it. McLeod started the same way. He kind of stuck around early. Um, they kept him around. You weren't really sure what he was going to do. Just judging by uh, his makeup and, and his college film, you think he was going to play inside. And he did. Um, Miller. Didn't really show to be good enough at anything, <laughs> you know. There's a reason he's on the Steelers, and he was on their practice squad after being a second round pick. <laughs> he, uh, he he showed the ability to play a, an X and a Z role. I'm not sure if he could play the slot, but maybe it's him. I don't know.
0: It's interesting that Eli Eli Rogers. I always thought Eli Rogers was a solid player. Uh, now I think he's playing arena football possibly, um, and he, yeah, he never there for a bit. Yeah, he never made it back. I know he was with the Montreal Alouettes, Tampa Bay Bandits. Um, I thought Eli Rogers was a very good uh, slot receiver. So second day, I think me and you agree, Uh, running back, defensive lineman, um, any chance uh, they go safety? They look for a safety late because of Terrell Edmonds being on uh, the last year of his deal or just the one-year deal. Uh, that they look for a quote-unquote strong safety in his second day? Um, I would
1: say probably not. Um, You have to fill out special teams, and they know that. Miles Killebrew is is closer to special teams captain than he is starting safety, but he is a safety. You have to count him up that way because – you have to assume your backups are going to be in a position to have to play. So they need to be able to play a position in Killabrew's case. He's a safety. And you've also got Norwood in there along with Minka and Edmonds. I don't, would they keep five safeties? Sure. Maybe. Um, will that is that safety there right now for them to draft? I I'd imagine they want to take it pretty quick if that's what they wanted to do. Um, I love Trey Norwood. I think he's going to be a great player um mostly because norwood, he yes.
0: what's up i was going to say yes they do have Trey norwood as a guy who could yeah, possibly it... slot into that safety position with a they, little more season that's the
1: thing though the the, the the odd thing with norwood is he doesn't really have a defined position he's he's more of a slot defender he's not a traditional safety in any way and he's not going to be um they're going to use him situationally in sub package football in um Defending on the slot. And that's what he did when he, he made plays last year. He did a really good job. Um, he is a good slot defender in the kind of look that the Steelers had started to implement last year. Don't forget Carl Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't believe I forgot Carl Joseph. Um, yeah. I don't,
0: Carl Joseph, yes.
1: I, I don't think Carl Joseph is going to make the team. Call it a hunch. <laughs> um, it, it, As long as the NFL is going to. I think they relaxed the expanded practice squad, but they're going to keep the uh, the ability to hold more veteran players on the practice squad. If that makes sense. That's what Joseph really is for them. If they are still allowed to elevate two guys from the practice squad, he's a decent guy to have around in, in reserve. But he's not an option as far as you know planning your defense. Um, well probably would have done something by now if, if he was going to be able to do that um i i don't i don't think they'll draft the safety I, i'll say that i think if they draft the defensive back it'll be another corner i hope so and it'll be the project type as well and i think it'll be a little bit later um i'll bet they would look at edge in round six uh i think running back in four or five um Going over what else there might be. I mean, are we set on their tight
0: ends? We have yet to there talk about There was a question. So, and amad uh, Jamal, my boy Ahmad Jamal, twenty two, asked the question: What about Baby Hayward? Is Baby Hayward a possible as a tight end to bring in? Um, he's not a tight end. I mean, he, he's a hybrid.
1: We we've we've sat and talked ad nauseum about Derek Watt, and it's plain and obvious that there is zero interest in Derek Watt contributing much of anything uh, offensively. Do you want to draft Connor Hayward if that's the the role that you feel for him um, based on – no, you've got to be kidding me. Breaking news. Sorry, there's a joke that I have in social media that the Ravens draft – my players all the time and they just drafted University of Minnesota mammoth offensive tackle Daniel Falele, which is the guy I absolutely wanted the Steelers to pick up but knew that wasn't going to happen. Uh Filele, incidentally is about six nine three hundred and eighty pounds and is like somehow 10% body fat or something like that. He is started he t- playing is he the Tongan game. or Samoan? I think he's Tongan. And it, it no, it, I'll look that up, but he is an absolute physical specimen. This dude, he, he started playing football like a sophomore in high school. His junior year, he transferred to IMG. That's how good he is. That's how good of an athlete he is. Yes. Played two years at IMG and started for the University of Minnesota as a true freshman and played four years for them at, at right Tackle. He's three-time all Big Ten. The dude has barely played the game He is just so big, and he is so athletic. I can't believe he went in the fourth round. I thought he would have gone higher than that, but of course he's a Raven. Of course he's a bleeping Raven. That's three guys this year that they took.
0: Well, Neil, I want to go ahead and conclude the program and thank everybody for hopping on. Fantastic discussion today. Thanks to Ahmad Jamal, my boy Ahmad Jamal, Douglas Cooley, Corey Hatcher, and everybody else there who asked some fantastic questions. So before we get out of here, we're hoping, and I think we're looking into our black and gold crystal ball, thinking that the Steelers may target running back, corner, uh, defensive linemen. And I'm sure there'll be some surprise picks in there, but I'm sure they will not target a long snapper. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, I'll never
1: make that promise again. they they took the long snapper in the sixth round and you make the damn team. I love that. Like if that everyone's thinking, Oh, that's easy money. They drafted a long snapper. There's no way he's not going to make the team. Nope. (laughs) Got
0: cut. (laughs) And with that, Neil, we're going to go ahead and conclude the program. Thank you everybody for chiming in, man. This has been fantastic. Three straight days. Make sure you like, and subscribe to the program. Please share the program with others. I think we've done a fantastic job giving you some fantastic content. If you are watching day three of the draft, please enjoy it. Get a beverage, get some popcorn, get a snack, and we're going to go ahead and conclude the show. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steelers.